Hello and welcome to Edition VFO's 17th podcast. For the first time, we hosted an artist talk in our premises. Our guest was artist Uriel Orlov, who is part of the current exhibition Rebuilding Connections. The podcast is a shortened version of the artist talk. Welcome, Uriel Olov. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. I'll just say something about your practice and then we can start with the first question. So your practice is based on site-specific research. Usually the starting point of your investigations is a place, a building or an object which has not made it into the history books with a capital H, but have some historical or social importance. So you are often referred to as an artist researcher. When I think of your work, I associate your methodology with archaeology, geology, uh, anthropology. And when I see your works, I think of storytelling and documentary. Uh, so to start with, could you tell us about your practice in relation to transdisciplinarity and this notion of artist researcher? I'll try. <laughs> yeah, so as you said, my starting point is always something in the world. It can be a place or it can be a story. And I start from the position that as an artist, I don't know a lot of things about the world, but I'm interested in the world and I'm trying maybe to create new images, new representations. So I need to find out. That's, it's a very simple starting point of curiosity and wanting to find out about things. I need to learn, I need to do research, I need to speak to people, I need to read, I need to travel. So that's kind of how the research comes about. And the work itself usually develops out of this research. I find material, I find images, I find stories. And these stories usually suggest what the work is going to be how it's going to manifest materially. There is already a kind of spark there. And then obviously there is a lot of translation. It's not, I'm not a historian. As you said, you think of a geologist or an anthropologist or a historian maybe, but I'm neither of those things. And I'm very clearly an artist and I want to work as an artist, but as an artist, my medium or my subject are things in the world. And also my medium is images and representation. So I engage with translation. We're trying to find translations for those things and trying to find ways also to ask questions about what I find and share it with other people. And as an artist, you have a certain liberty in contrast to now a scientific in the academical world. You have the freedom of association. Do you want to say something about that? I do. Um, I do have the freedom. I don't need to follow a certain disciplinary logic and I don't need to publish what I research in a very specific way like scientists would have to. So yes, there is a freedom. I think there is also a responsibility. If you have freedom and you can do things differently, why do you things like this and not like that? So the way you make decisions, the way you think about things is not completely arbitrary. 
and it comes also with a certain responsibility. So you started investigating the plant world several years ago. In these works, the plants become witnesses and actors of history. Can you tell us how this investigation started? I guess I've long been interested in oblique histories or ghosts. So if I think about ghosts, it would be things that are unfinished from the past, unfinished business from the past that comes back in the present and asks questions. And a few years ago, I was in South Africa and I was doing research in various archives and I ended up in the Botanical Garden, in the National Botanical Garden in Cape Town, Kirstenbosch, and I walked around and I noticed that all the plant labels of this botanical garden were written in English and in Latin. Now, South Africa has 11 official languages. From these languages, English is only one of them and Latin is not an official language. So, what does that mean that we are kind of 25 years after apartheid and we have a national botanical garden that all the plants are labelled in English and Latin. So I was thinking about how Europeans first arrived in Africa and elsewhere, starting to look for plants, doing expeditions, accompanying the colonial project, and starting to discover new plants, which were new to them, but of course were already known to the local population, and were naming them. And through naming, appropriating them into a system of knowledge, which is European, and also researching them for, for potential use and exploitation. So plants were very closely involved in the colonial project, in history. So when I had this realization walking in the botanical garden, I basically thought it would be interesting to look further at how plants are involved in history as actors, as equals, not just as a backdrop. It's not just, ah, oh, this is a beautiful scene, but they do things, they act, they are part of, of life. So that's kind of how it started. So now we could perhaps move to this particular project. The starting point for these works is a wood library in Lisbon, so-called Xilotex or Xilaria, were first established in Europe at the end of the 18th century for the study, the documentation and the classification of wood species. And this particular library was founded at the beginning of the 20th century. And you had the opportunity to do research uh, within this institution. Can you tell us more about the story behind these works? I can, and I have an image of it as well. So I found out about this wood library when I was in Lisbon. I moved to Lisbon a bit more than two years ago in the middle of COVID. I was doing a lot of travel as an artist. I had a number of projects. I had a project in Dakar. I had a project in Kathmandu. All of these were kind of on hold. So I wanted to work more locally. And I found out about this wood library and was interested in it. This is a picture of it. It really looks like a library. It has more than 10,000 pieces of wood, which are stored like books in, on shelves. And I thought, this is interesting. It's, I mean, I already knew it's, it's, in, it's not accessible to the public now. It's in a former palace, Palazzo de Caglietta, 
in what is now called the Tropical Garden of Lisbon, which used to be called the Colonial Garden of Lisbon, which was founded also around 1900 to bring plants from the new colonies and test them and do experiments on them. And the Wood Library was also founded at that time, as you said, around 1900. And the focus of it was specifically to collect samples of wood to find out uh, what they could be used for. So to do research on them, on the, on the properties of the wood, and to find out if they can be used for construction, for paper industry, for uh, furniture, for whatever it can be used for. And the large part of it was focusing on the new colonies that Portugal acquired in 1885 during the Berlin Conference when Europe kind of divided Africa between itself. And most of the countries after that, the European colonial countries, had to justify these new acquisitions or these new acquired lands because they also cost quite a bit of money. So they had to show that these, these places are worth keeping because there is value there that can be extracted. So a lot of expeditions sort of started to happen, scientific expeditions with a kind of economic horizon in order to explore the countries. And wood was a big part of that. And so the wood pieces were, were collected in this library. And I guess for me, the starting point was what this library means, how do we engage with it? And also, we just have the wood there. We no longer have the trees. I mean, I don't know if this expression exists in English, not seeing the wood for the trees. You kind of see all the trees, but you lose the forest. And I guess here we see all the wood, but we've lost the trees. So I was kind of interested in this, how we have a tendency to disassociate things. It's much easier. If you just see this as a kind of material, then it's no longer connected to, to a, a tree. And actually, it's sort of, this is a little bit philosophical perhaps, but it's an, important, it's an important thing and I think it's an important problem that we have as a civilization, which goes back to Aristotle, who was famous for coining a lot of important concepts that we still use, abstract concepts that we still use today. So, for example, Aristotle coined the concept of matter, which is kind of abstract, he coined it from the ancient Greek word for wood, which is highly. But this word made no distinction between wood and timber. So wood is the wood growing in the forest. Timber is the wood that we use. And the word made no distinction. So the word for matter became the same word. And so, in a sense, all resources are completely sort of cut from their sources. They're just stuff to build things with. So that's kind of my first thoughts on how this project started. Of course, I can say more about this as well. Yes, please, please. Um, so, so I started looking at these pieces of wood, which are which are kind of on their own there, and started figuring out that this wood library was part of a whole 
sort of, um, I suppose, a colonial institute of investigation, which had various kind of uh, laboratories and, and scientists associated with it. So there was a wood laboratory associated with this, which would do the wood analysis, which would look at the woods and which would produce a number of different uh, things, including microscopic images of the structure of the wood itself, which is what we see here. So this is the structure of a piece of wood in the library. They would also publish uh, their findings on the qualities, on the strengths, all of these things. There would also be a herbarium separately, which might have leaves of the trees. But you never see this kind of image with the tree together. So one of the things that was important for me as a kind of gesture of return or reunion, to create a reunion between this close-up image of the structure of the wood with the tree from which it comes. It's a tree that grows in Guinea-Bissau. It grows kind of in Western Africa. The sample was collected in Guinea. The scientific name is Tanielia Oliveri. The name in Mandinka is Bobe, which is the local language, one of the local languages is Bobe. So my idea was to reunite the tree with this scientific image. So I used the microscopic image to create a woodcut via the intermediary of a laser, which created the piece of wood. So we had the image of the wood that we then transferred onto a piece of wood, a literal piece of wood, through laser cutting, through a kind of laser cutting machine. This became the device with which we can print. And we then printed this onto paper. Now for this image, which is a combination of two images in fact, one is the forest of this tree and the other is the tree itself, which I combined as a sort of montage. For this image, I wanted to create a sort of almost inverse methodology where we print onto the wood itself. So this is a silkscreen print, which is printed directly onto wood. So here we have a wood print on paper and here we have a silkscreen onto wood. So it was kind of important that the material itself speaks to the subject. So there's a kind of relationship between the image and the support it's on. I'm kind of using in the title, I'm using a sort of cinematic language of close-up and long shot. So here we have a long shot, an in cinema, a long shot is an establishing shot where you see the scene, and a close-up is when you're like really close up. The overall title, which also refers to a series of publications which were done, which, which in Portuguese are called Essenciais Forestais, Forest Essentials, so I'm kind of referring to these scientific publications, Forest Essentials, the, the essences of the forest. But I'm calling it Take Two, again, a kind of cinematic way of saying we need another take. We've had the first one. We need to look at this again. And here's the close-up and the long shot. That's kind of the... The story know, behind the, the story. title. Exactly. And yeah. Yes. Very interesting. Before we talk about Berlin, maybe I'll just ask if there is any question about this work in particular from the audience. Yeah. Yes. How did you come up with the selection? Like, did you go for all of it, or was it like an aesthetic? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very good question. There are hundreds of images, literally, and 
I wanted to have one from Guinea um, because of the research also that's associated with a kind of larger project. Um, I was looking for an image where I could find an original image from the time. So I went separately to a photographic archive, which is not connected to the Wood Library, but is documenting all the kind of colonial project of Portugal. And I found images of the expeditions, the wood expeditions. So I found this image in a separate place. Um, and then when I found this, I, I already had a list of the, of, of, of the, um, the microscopic images. And when I found this, I kind of knew I have a match. Um, and I think this matching is really important for me because it's, um, it's a kind of, it's a very small gesture of restitution and I will, I will perhaps talk about this a bit more with the continuation of the project in Berlin, but for me one of the questions of a library like this is the question of expropriation and of, of, of restitution. And one aspect for restitution, which has been something that has been preoccupying me for a long time, is also returning memory to history. So how do we return the memory of this tree to this image? So for me, it was important to find a match. So that's what decided which, which pair it will be. Wood is also at the center of your work, Reading Wood Backwards, which you are currently showing at the Berlin Biennale. And it's an installation which includes wallpaper, photographs, sound installation also, mm -hmm. uh, objects and also performances. Um, so yes, please tell us something more about this work. I mean, it's part of the same work and you will recognize some things. If I show you this image, you might have a recognition. Um, so I basically continued with this pair and I made a work which is, it's kind of expanding on the beginnings of this research that I did with these two prints. And it's a, it's a whole installation which consists of a wallpaper here, which is this, um, which is this image, the close-up. On the side there are photographs, one of which is the one of the library that you are seeing. Um, here there are images, um, here there are archival images from the expeditions and a sort of an image that I found, a contemporary image of a diagram in the university which shows the different uses of uh, wood. And then you can see there are pieces of wood hanging in the space. So I made five planks of wood out of 13 different kinds of wood from the former Portuguese colonies, so woods that are in the uh, wood library. So they're very simple planks of wood that are used to build something, but they're kind of complicated because they're made out of different woods. Um, I don't know if you can see, and they're hanging just a, a little bit above the space. Um, now there is also something that we don't see here, which is on the other side of the wall, which is this side, the tree itself. So when we leave the space, we have the tree itself. In this case, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's not archival images of the tree, but images that I asked for people to send me 
from Guinea of the tree. So this is the tree now, so it's not extinct. This is what it looks like. And then there is a third element, which is a performance, which takes place once a week, in which a performer uh, speaks and is doing various things. But one of the things that she's doing is she's actually taking the pieces from inside and bringing them outside. So she's dismantling the exhibition and she's returning the wood to the tree, as it were, as a kind of metaphorical but enacted gesture, as a kind of practice of restitution. What is this gesture? And it's not something that we can do once at the opening. It's something that has to happen again and again and again. So it happens throughout the biennial every week because it's really important to me that it's an ongoing practice. It's not like you send back one sculpture and it's all done. Restitution is a process of engagement in the way that colonialism was a, a long process of extraction. It's not just like one moment of return and everything is okay. You need to say, like if we talk about museums, what kind of conditions do you have? Shall we help you uh, with this or that? We can give you expertise. We've been having these obje objects for the last two or three hundred years. We have benefited from it. Now you can benefit from us. So there's kind of all sorts of things. So it's an ongoing process. So uh, the performance happens once a week and she basically takes the wood pieces from inside the installation and brings them outside. You have to basically see it uh, to experience it. So I, if you have time over the summer to go to Berlin, um, I invite you to see it because my work, I, I am interested in the materiality of works in the way that, yes, we can see a representation of this, you can take a photograph of it, but when you stand here and you see the wood and you see this image, it has a different quality from, from an image. So seeing these kinds of images is not the same as standing in the space and experiencing it. Thank you, Uriel Orlov, for taking the time to answer our questions about your new works. And thank you to our audience for listening to our new podcast. Uriel Orlov's installation Reading Woods Backwards is still on show at the Berlin Biennale through September 18th. His works Forest Essentials Take Two Close-Up Bobe and Forest Essentials Take Two Longshot Bobe are exhibited at Edition VFO until October 1st. <laughs>